Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks the new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. The night and child is born. There's two words that accurately describe our world today. I'd say it's weary world. Live in a wearied world. It's overwhelming. There's anxiety going to happen in the economy, our relationships are messed up, every other person seems to have some kind of serious disease, families are struggling, loved ones have passed away, countries are at war, nations are in the midst of civil wars, and the greatest of civil wars happening in our families and in our own hearts. It's almost as if we're fighting to stay above water. I just think today, so many of us can relate to those words. Oh, weary world. (laughs) But that's not the only line to the song. Very next one. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. See, we're given this amazing hope. Given this amazing hope for another day. And we need hope. There's an incredible need for hope, and there's always been a need for hope. Let me take you back to the book of Lamentations, one that's rarely read because it's a bummer. I mean, if there's a book in the Bible that's a downer, it's that one. It's titled Lamenting, Crying. In anguish. There's probably a reason we don't read it in church. We're anguished enough. Listen to the writer. Written 
sometime around 586 B.C., after Jerusalem fell to the empire of Babylon. People were distraught. They were in captivity. Turned into slaves. And there's Jeremiah crying out to God. Come on. Where are you? This is painful. We're agonizing. It's just so hard. He writes in 19 and 20. I remember my affliction and my wandering. The bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. There's a lot that's hard in our lives. There's a lot that's difficult. Disappointments and frustrations around every corner. But it's not something new to us. Ever since sin entered the world, it's been that way. And God has always been available and ready and by our side and with us and looking out for us and ready to lead us and to guide us and to pick us up and to pull us up. But oh, how dark the night can get. As we struggle with depression and anxiety, we struggle with difficulty, we struggle with pain and loss, we struggle with fears. What will tomorrow bring? The night can be blinding. The Jews were set free from captivity in Babylon. They had returned to Israel. The temple had been rebuilt. The nation was underway. However, at the close of the Old Testament, there was a warning in Malachi to turn back to God because they had again started to go astray. They had again started to write their own way. They had again started, they stopped depending on the Lord God and trusting Him for what was next. Sitting in His presence, depending on His way, trusting Him for His hope, letting Him be their God. So the great warning of the prophet Malachi was issued. And then there was silence. For 400 years, there was silence from God. If you thought it may have been painful to have been taken captive all the times Israel had been taken captive, to have wandered the desert, to have been under the disciplined hand of God, trying to bring them back to this place of holiness, if you thought that had been difficult, the deafening sound of the absence of God's voice would have been unbearable. You see, even through all those times of disciplines, the prophets spoke. The Lord spoke to the prophets. He did miraculous acts. He gave them the holy scriptures that they were able to hang on to during those 400 years that they could have scoured and they did. And that's what they had as it's what we have as well as the Holy Spirit that dwells within us so that the voice of God is not silent. But how did that happen? We're getting to that point. Because right now in the history of our spiritual ancestors, there's silence. And it's painful. And it's deafening. And in 333 B.C., Israel fell to the Greeks. And in 320 B.C., it fell to the Egyptians. And Antiochus, the great of Syria, captured Israel and 
204 BC. And then Antichus, Epiphanes, succeeded Antichus the Great, persecuting the Jews during which time the priesthood itself was sold. How does that happen? Evil. A priest from the line of Aaron took what was his and he sold it under the leadership of this terrible king. And now it was in a line that was not Aaron's line. It was a debunked and wrong priesthood. And then in 171 B.C., Phineas desecrated the Holy of Holies, the temple of the living God, by erecting a statue to Zeus. And upon that altar, sacrificed a pig in defiance of God. Then Rome gained control of Israel in 63 B.C., at which time Pompey walked into the Holy of Holies, once again shocking and embittering the Jews by declaring his supremacy. As the New Testament opens up, Herod the Great, a descendant of Esau. Esau, we're back to it again. Esau and Isaac, and we're battling, was king, and a horrible king with no care for God and allegiance to Rome and himself. The priesthood was politically motivated instead of driven by love for God. And it was not in the line of Aaron, once again debunked. Politics also ruled the day and ruled the priesthood and ruled the life of the people. Dividing the people into two factions, you had the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees favored the liberal attitudes and practices of the Greeks. And the Pharisees were conservative zealots who with the help of the scribes developed a religious law, added to the Lord's law, and yet held at the same level to the point where it had no concern for people or care for people and did nothing to point people to the Lord nor to worship him or surrender their life to him. Hmm. It rendered the law useless for anything but condemnation. Religious and civil matters were now governed by the Sanhedrins. The Sanhedrins were comprised of the chief priest who was not of the line of Aaron, and 70 other members. And how did they hand out justice? Harshly. Horrendously. Not in the line of God. Not according to the law, but instead, oftentimes by 39 lashes, administered with full force. Silence. It was a dark day in the life of Israel. It was a weary world. Not unlike ours. Not unlike ours at all. And then the silence was broken. And John the baptizer begins to declare the Messiah is coming, the one everybody had been waiting for, the one they had been searching the scriptures for, the one that they had said was on his way, the one they said would save them, that would deliver them, would take them from all of this political tyranny, would finally give them their nation back. He would come as king of kings and the great warrior, and he would put down the oppressors. Well, that's not what John the Baptist was saying. Those weren't the prophecies that he was referring to. You see, Jesus came as a suffering, humble servant, first to give them hope in their hearts and to set them free from a life of sin and shame, a life that separated them from the Father, a life without meaning or hope. Jesus, our Father, 
has always cared about our heart before he cared about the external. He's always cared about our closeness to him. He's always cared about his presence with us before he's cared about the external. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees made the law all about the external, and Jesus said it was all about the heart. He came to free them and to free us and to free all those that would believe in him and free all of those who would trust in him from the bondage of this world, from the bondage of our own sin, from being separated and isolated from the living God that we would be without hope. First, he would bring hope to our lives. For they wanted to find hope in the things of this world, the the prestige of this world, the pleasures, successes, and conquests of this world. But God's answer to that has always been, find your hope in me first. Let me set your hearts free first. Then I will direct you towards green pastures and I will satisfy your greatest needs. And now let me read this passage from Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there. I hope it will be new. I hope it will be fresh. I hope you will forget the Charlie Brown Christmas story. I hope you will not bring up memories of childhood readings. I hope you will read this new and afresh in light of a weary world. In light of a people that were destitute. In a light of a people just like us that were caught in bondage. They were in the dead, blinding night of pain and weariness. Now let us read in verse of Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Oh, and you got to understand something. You got to understand something. They got up and left. They didn't allow one thing to hinder them from the birth of the Savior. They left. Let us go see. Let us go find. Let us go look. Let us go touch our Savior. They left everything behind. I wonder what they were doing when heaven opened up. I wonder if they were talking about the crazy law and how is it they would actually be able to worship God. I wonder if they talked about whether if they were clean at that moment or unclean at that moment. I wonder if they were talking about Herod and his wickedness. I wonder if they were talking about their their relatives who had been 
shunned and put off into a leper colony. I wonder if they talked about the ones who were sitting by the side of the road. I wonder if they had talked about how miserable they were as shepherds because they were denied and they were rejected and they were put off by society because to be a shepherd was to be the lowliest of all. What were they talking about when heaven opened up and entered into their lives and said, what? You're talking to me? You came to me? Do you picture it? Bring it into last Monday. Bring it into tomorrow. You're sitting at work and you're doing your important things. You got deadlines. You got responsibilities. You have people depending on you. Oh, man. You got the bottom line because there's a mortgage to be paid on Tuesday. And there's insurance to be paid on Wednesday. And your son has to go for more treatment. And your wife still has cancer. And your husband still skipped out on you and left you with the kids. Hmm. Really? You want me to just get up and leave and go see this baby? Really? What's this baby going to do for me? Because all those things still exist in my life. You know, baby doesn't pay the bills. Baby doesn't help me after I got laid off. What's baby going to do? When I got to go pick up my son again on the side of the road with a needle in his arm. What's that baby going to do? Oh, heaven opened up. I'm working, man. I'm working. And it's hard. And I'm in darkness. Lance, put up that picture for me. That's a baby. That's Melissa Baird. That's Graham Baird. He was born just a few hours ago. We have a brand new baby this morning in our church. Oh, Meredith, I don't care if you get mad at me or not. Stand up, girl. Matt, stand up. We're going to have another one real soon. Look at that thing sticking out. I love you guys. Father, thank you so much for Matt and Meredith. And I just ask that you would bless this baby. You would help it to come soon. You would keep Meredith safe. You would keep the baby safe. We would have this blessing. And we would rejoice. We would rejoice. But, Father, you are knitting together the most amazing child. And we thank you. And we look forward to this baby. In your name we pray. Amen. You see, those are babies. And those, 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 those are babies. And they're beautiful babies. And they're amazing babies. And they're, they're, they're gorgeous and they're tender. But they are absolutely helpless. They can do nothing. They do nothing. They can't change their diapers. They, can't, they, they don't know what to do with themselves. They puke everywhere without consideration for anybody. All they do is eat, sleep, and when they don't sleep, they cry, and every once in a while they stop, and you can look at them and go, cute, until he does something weird, right? That's all babies do. They're helpless. They can't speak in. There's no hope that comes from them. There's life, and we can go, oh, there's hope for a life, but that life can change in an instant. That's not what the angels came to declare. That is not what heaven opened up. And on Monday morning, if heaven opened up in your cubicle, that is not what the angels would be declaring. They were declaring that God came near. 
that for all who are hopeless now have hope, for all who are joyless now have joy, for all that lack peace now have peace, for all that were separated from the living God, there was hope that we would no longer be separated. Because you see, it wasn't even that at that moment of that birth that made that special, that made that birth significant. It wasn't that. What it was is so many years later when the resurrection would take place, we would understand at the moment of the resurrection that that truly was the birth of God. Now, not the birth of God as if God didn't exist, never make that mistake, but that God chose to come near, enter into our pain, understand our frustration, to walk with each one of us, that we would have hope. You see, Christ is the hope. And what is hindering you today from seeing that hope? You see, because Christmas reminds us that Christ came as the hope of the world. Christ came as the hope of an individual. Christ came as the hope that we would be united with God. Christ came that we would be able to cling to him at all times and all moments. That the baby Jesus was really Lord of all. That we could anchor our lives on and we could depend on that would change everything in an instant, that he came in the blistering, blinding darkness of misery, and he brought mourning, because mourning had come when he was born. Hope is here. Hope is here. Imagine the chaos of this holy night. There's a thrill of hope that maybe, just maybe, All those who were putting their faith in God for centuries had hoped that one day the Messiah would be born, that on that day everything would be different forever and ever. Can you hear that kind of faith, that there's a thrill of hope and suddenly the weary world does what? It rejoices. Has the pain of life, difficulty of life, the frustration of life, has it hindered you from remembering the truth of our Savior's birth? Remembering the truth of what he brought, which was hope. Remembering the truth of what we can stand on for the remainder of our days and into eternity. Hope, not wishful thinking, but solid, consistent, faithful hope. May this Christmas, nothing hinder you. It's why we're doing this series. Because we understand that there's things that hinder us from understanding who the Savior really is. There's things that cause so much clutter in our life, we can't even see the manger. And we get so hurried in this time of the year that we rush right past the birth of Christ. So for this entire month, we're going to just focus simply on Jesus. And on the 23rd, we're going to talk about the resurrection. On the 23rd, we're going to invite the world to hear the message of salvation that came out of the love of God that he has for each and every one of us. I hope you'll invite friends and family all month long. But on the 23rd, would you invite the world? Would it be that in this church on the 23rd that we didn't have enough seats? Would it be that we didn't have enough space? Would it be that we brought so many people to hear the message of love that humbled himself, came as a baby, that he could relate to every one of our dark moments, 
and gave his life that we could live. 23rd, get everybody here to hear that message. But for the rest of our morning, Jesus is our hope. Listen back to Isaiah in Isaiah 46, 3 through 5. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob. All the remnant, God's with us even if it's only one. All the remnants of the people of Israel. You whom I have upheld since your birth. He's never let us go. I have carried you since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. He will always sustain us. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? That is our God. And then he tells us in verse 13, I am bringing my righteousness near. What happened on that day? God came near. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. And they were set free like we talked about. And we would, they would also look forward to the day the Messiah would set them free from the penalty of the law and our sin. In Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness, release from darkness, to release from darkness the prisoners. And to that, that was recorded in Isaiah, Jesus closed the scroll and said, I am he. Jesus is our hope. He's the one that will set us free from the darkness. He's the one that will set us free from the bondage of our anxiety, our depression, from the, from the weariness of this world. He is the one that will give us hope when nothing else is hopeful. He is the one that is dependable. He is the one that brought freedom. And in John 3, 16 and 17, it says this. Oh, don't let it pass by. May it be new this morning in light of our Savior's birth. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish in the darkness, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus is our hope. And Jesus is exactly what we need. He knows what we need every moment of our day. He knows what we need every moment of our lives. He knows what we need in every circumstance and situation. He knows when to show up at just the right time. That's why we never lose hope. He knows exactly when to be there. He knows the longevity that it should take. He knows how quickly it should happen. He knows the perfect moment to step into our, our lives that he's always been with, by the way, and exercise his authority in our lives. He knows the exact perfect moment to show up and show off. Because he is our great hope. In Lamentation, it continues. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. No matter how dark the moment you're in, no matter how dark the night gets, morning is coming with the Lord. Morning is coming. The darkness may seem to last for so long. The disappointment may seem to last for so long. The pain may seem to last. The loneliness may seem to last. The frustration may seem to last. But that darkness will end because morning is sure in coming. 
because our Lord has never failed and his promises, his compassion has never failed. He has never ceased to be with us and he has never missed the right moment for what we need in our lives. Pastor Greg Rochelle says this, I'm always amazed and I want you to think about this and never lose sight of this thought. Don't talk. It's a great thought. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. You cannot fathom what a difference one day with Christ can make. Did you catch that? You cannot fathom what a difference one day with Christ can make because he always keeps his promises. He's never late. He always knows what we need. He is our hope, and it's sure and unfailing. You can never underestimate what one day with Christ can make. Lazarus in the New Testament had been dead for four days. For four days, everybody had given up hope. Jesus shows up, looks at the stone, looks at the grave and says, Lazarus, get up, come forth. Lazarus walks out. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that Lazarus, Jesus knew exactly what Lazarus needed. He needed to hear his voice. He needed to hear his voice and know where to come. He needed to know when to get up. He needed to know when to begin to walk. And he needed to be guided by the voice of the Lord. And Jesus showed up at just the right time and showed off the power of his word. And all those that were there needed to hear the power of God's word, which you have today in your possession. It gives us hope. It brings hope to our circumstances. It gives directions to our choices and our situations. It gives us the truth of Jesus Christ. It is his word, and his word will bring us forth in the midst of the darkest night. It is light unto our path. It's what it is. And so in that, Jesus knew exactly what Lazarus needed, and he brought it. Oh, man. You can never put into words the difference that one day with Jesus can make. Would you say it with me? You can never put into words the difference that one day with Jesus can make. We're going to do that again. I hope we'll say it together again. There was a woman who for 12 years was suffering with the issue of blood. For 12 years, can you imagine the pain, the embarrassment, the humiliation, the torture? The private suffering, the public suffering for 12 years. Will this ever go away? The darkness of her experience, the darkness of the way she had to live. Can you imagine it? Every day hoping this would go away and maybe this would be the day. But no, again, I'm stuck with this. And for 12 years, that agony continued. And one day she, see Jesus, she, she sees Jesus walking down the street. She can't get to him, so she pushes her way through the crowd. All she can actually do is touch the hem of his robe. <clears throat> and she is healed. In an instant, Jesus knew exactly what she needed that day. She needed to experience the power of her faith. She needed to experience the power of God displayed in her faith. And all those around were going to be astonished at the faith of this woman and the act of God and how he would heal her in an instant because of her faith. Can you say it with me? You can never put into words the difference that one day with Jesus can make. One man for 38 years since the day he was born was unable to walk. He sat by the pool of Bethesda and then one day Jesus came up and looked at him. He sat by that pool every day and people walked past him getting in the pool for healing. He walked past, people walked past him, ignored him. He had to beg at the edge of the pool and all he wanted to do was get in the pool but he couldn't get there. 
All he wanted to do was get in the pool and get there. All he wanted was for his body to be healed. All he wanted to do was walk again and take care of it again and, and to pro- have a family and to provide for that family. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to worship the Jesus standing up. He wanted to worship Jesus on his knees. All he wanted to do was to be healed. And everybody passed him by as if he wasn't even there. As if he wasn't even there. And Jesus walked up, and what did he do? He said, get up, walk, you're healed. Go to the pool, be washed off. But what was it that he needed that day? Was it that he just needed to be healed that day? Or was it that he needed to be seen? Was it that he needed to be noticed? Was it that he needed to understand his value? Was it that in his darkest moment, he needed the God of God, the Lord of Lords, to sit down and kneel right beside him and say, I see you. I see you in your darkness. I see you in your pain. I see you in your frustration. I see you in your difficulty. Now get up and walk, for I am your strength and your healing and your power. You see, Jesus knows exactly what we need. And can you say it with me? You can never put into words the difference that one day with Jesus can make. He is our hope. And that one day is coming and mourning is on its way. And there is never a lack of hope for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus keeps us going. In Lamentations 3, 24 through 26, it says this. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You see, they waited for hundreds of years, even in silence. And on that night, morning came when Jesus came as a baby that we could relate to him. We would be able to trust him. He would be our hope. He would bring freedom to people. He would unite us into the kingdom, offering us son and daughtership. And the Holy Spirit would dwell with us. You see, hope came that morning. And now he is everything we need on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. No matter how long we wait, no matter how dark the night gets, no matter how frustrating it is, he is with us, he is for us. And if he is for us, who could be against us? And the morning is coming for one day with Jesus. How can it compare? And there's a portion for every day. He is our steady hand. He is the one that is there for us. I'm going to ask Daniel to come on out. As I close with this, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We are in this body of Christ for a reason. To spur one another on. To remind one another in the darkest of nights that we have hope. And it's a sure hope. To remind one another to look unto the Christ. For he is our salvation in all moments. We do not know how the Lord will deliver us. We just know he'll deliver us. We do not know how he'll speak into our pain, but we just know one day he will. 
We do not know how he will use our circumstances, but we have hope that one day he will. We do not know if we will see healing this side of eternity or the other side, but we know we will see it. And we can have faith. Why? Because we can hold to him who is unchanging. And our hope can be unswerving. And it can be unhindered because of who he is, not because of our circumstances. Because of who he is. For he is faithful to all of his promises. Today, if you are in the darkest of places, with anxiety and pain and depression, disappointment, if they are the king of your heart, would you surrender? Would you, would you exchange? Would you be as the shepherd was in the field and leave it behind? And run to your Savior. Would you let him be the hope of your moments, of your circumstances, of your life, of your eternity? Because it's only him who's unchanging and sure. This isn't our walkout song. I'm going to ask that you would sit with the Lord. I'm going to ask that you would Look in your own heart. Where have you lost hope? Where is your faith leading? How come it has become so hard to see the Christ in Christmas? What is so dark about this night? Because Christmas is the promise of morning. For morning, the morning has come. Would you allow him to be the king of your heart? Be with our Lord.
never let you go. Whatever's hindering you from seeing the hope of Christ, surrender it. Just as the shepherds left it all behind. Let our Savior be your hope. And Father, teach us to do that. May this Christmas be so different. May we walk with incredible hope even though things in our life haven't necessarily changed or got different. The pain is still there. The difficulties are still there. But you are with us and we know it. You are leading us and we know it. You are guiding us and we know it. You are giving us hope and you are our hope for there will be mourning. And for that, Father, 
all worship, all glory goes to you. It's in your precious son's name that we pray and thank you for. Amen. Have an amazing week. Look to the hope of your Savior.